0: Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence again this evening. Father, we're in a very important time. We are in the time, dear Lord, that we are in what they call the time of passage, the time between Passover and Pentecost. And Lord, we pray that the people of this day will begin to understand, dear Lord, what we've been talking about in the messages, the recent messages regarding the comparison of the... Departure from Egypt when you birthed your nation to this time. Lord, you tell us in the scriptures that you're going to come like uh, Paul teaches us in Romans 10 Dear Lord, that the people of this time, there's going to be a people that are not like it was in Israel, not like it was before because you said, dear Lord, that you're going to provoke Israel in jealousy by those who are not a nation. And Lord, what you mean by that, dear God, is you said you would send the words to the Gentiles in Acts 28, 28. And in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, you said that you would take the na- the kingdom away from Israel and give it to a nation, that, that uh, a people that are not of, of the Gentiles. They're of the Gentiles, as Paul says in Acts 28, 28, because their Lord had failed to see this message, they failed to understand the greatness of what was occurring, what you were doing for them. And I would just like to cover some of the items of what you did during the time of passage from the time that they came out of Egypt until they got to, to Mount Sinai. I'd like to cover a few of those points that we might understand, dear Lord, how important it is for this day. Lord, Paul said that message in Isaiah, um, I mean uh, in Romans 10, but it was re quoting, dear Lord, uh, Deuteronomy 32:31, and that famous speech by Moses about these end times. And Lord, so you're pointing at this time, and you said, dear Lord, that you'd open your words to another nation. Because the people were too stiff-necked. But Lord, it's interesting that they were not, dear Lord, of of a people. Dear Lord, in other words, <clears throat> you're going to be coming out of the nations. They're all going to be gathered together and you're going to birth them into a kingdom. And Lord, then, dear Lord, people will say at this time, dear Lord, and and you're going to show them, dear God, that they're going to be uh, assisted by a foolish nation or angered by a foolish nation, Israel. Because the foolish nation is, the words were spoken to them, but they would not hear it. And dear Lord, they followed the leaders of the world, which you told them to come out from, but they would not receive you. And now you're king. I would like to point out that the events leading up to the Passover and the... the time of the seven weeks between a time of leaving Egypt and coming to, to Mount Sinai, dear Lord, at first, before that were the ten plagues. And Lord, what that meant is, dear God, it's very similar, i like to point this out, it's very similar to Daniel 7, 11 and 12, where you said, dear Lord, you're going to destroy the fifties kingdom and you're going to take away their dominion for a season in time. Now, people do not understand, dear Lord, that your way of destroy is going to be the same as what you showed in the time of Egypt in the time of Egypt, you called Moses and you sent him and Lord, it's very clear it seems very clear that the plagues that you sent upon Egypt were about the time of of a season, the winter season that during the winter season you called him and sent him, and he went back to egypt and because the plagues could have easily been done within seven weeks. And, dear Lord, you even show us that the seventh plague was in the time of the, of the we usually call the late February, or the, uh, in the March, which is the time when the flowers are on, the barley, and so on. Dear Lord, and then and the locust came and they destroyed those. Or the, 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 it was uh, destroyed at that time by the hail and then so forth dear lord uh, father the interesting thing is that that you said in in the time and i've pointed out in the, in the notes recently dear lord in many of the messages that in daniel 7 10 to 12 11 to 12 you're talking about a season and a time where you're taking the dominion the right of dominion away from the beast kingdom and you will destroy them not immediately you're going to show them the way so that you are glorified Lord, you're going to glorify your name, glorify your words. You're going to do it like to Egypt, slightly different, but you don't change your ways. You're going to teach them a lesson. And Lord, you said dear Lord, in the winter season for the people to come out. Now, the winter is interesting because just like the night is continued into the morning, according to Isaiah 21, 10 to 12, all those who are of wickedness are of the night and not of the day. And dear Lord, you told us that you are rising as a son of righteousness, as king. And we know that you left in the time of the, in the New Testament, when you came to Israel, I mean to Jerusalem, that entire week before that, you were coming and they were calling you king. They recognized you as king because you were going up to Jerusalem. They knew the Passover was near and people expected you to a state. That you were king, but you did, but not in the way they were expecting it. And Lord, but it means that, dear Lord, also in this time, like it was in Egypt, you started the things before they come to this. And dear Lord, we've seen the actions of the world get progressively worse this winter. Dear Lord, because you said, dear God, you're going to be a season and a time in Daniel 7 11 to 12 where you take the dominion away from the beast kingdom. They're talking about that you, you cancel their right of dominion and you do not give it to the 6th se- and 7th beast kingdoms for a season and time. So you've declared that this 5th beast kingdom that's running the world right now, that's headed by Queen Elizabeth II, and people are beginning to really recognize that she is ruling the world. And as they begin to get more knowledge of the secret things, like the Law of the Sea Treaty signed, the latest version signed in 2008, to best of my knowledge, that all the ownership of the seas were given to her, and all the rivers that go into the seas and all the dry lands are considered nothing more than ships, classified as ships or territories docked onto her rivers, and they have to therefore their territories ruled under the admiralty law, In other words, the merchant trading law of the seas of the merchants of the seas, which is contract law. That is supported by the military, the Admiralty military law, which as I've explained, is why we have the gold trim American flag and around the world we see these things. And dear Lord, all the leaders have signed on to this and Zechariah fourteen one and two tells us very clearly they're all gathered together, as it also says in Daniel seven twenty-six. So we know that this fifth beast kingdom is going to be destroyed. And you're going to do it likened to the time you did in Egypt. Because from the moment that you sent Moses, the Pharaoh was finished. Those who are wise are going to understand this very clearly. I'd like to touch on that tonight. They need to read Luke 16, 1 to 13 very carefully. Because, dear Lord, they must make a choice. Those of the world must make a choice who is their king. Because beginning with the Nisan, beginning with the time when you because you never change your ways from the beginning of Nisan 1 of this year and you've been declaring it, Lord, you're coming and this is the time and if the people don't make their decision, they will be set apart when the manifestation of the separation judgment occurs. But dear Lord, they will be judged during this time because the Father has already judged them and found them guilty. But we don't believe it. And Lord, we should understand that very well and I'll explain this I hope that I remember to explain it in this message, which is Joel 2, 12 to 20. You tell us there, dear Lord, that we have to be sanctified by your words. We have to weep and mourn and be sanctified by your words. And then we'll be able to enable the bridegroom to come after we've called the sacred assembly. We have to call the sacred assembly because, dear Lord, there's only one day a year that by scripture, by law, you make atonement for sins and we're all sinning and people don't realize that because of the idols and all of these things that we will let stand in our nation. And we're not prepared with your words when the time came, just like the people of Israel were not prepared in their day. Dear Lord, because of that, we must be sanctified by your words. As you said in Joel two twelve to 20, that means we must be prepared. We must be forgiven at Yom Kippur that we have the right if we will hear your voice at Pentecost, dear Lord, when, when you're calling out your words and telling the people to receive it in power, you're doing that now, Lord, in the time, dear Lord, between, in other words, dear Lord, this is the time when you're preparing your people before Pentecost, when the power fell at Pentecost. But dear Lord, the sins of the people the as a nation, as a kingdom, will be forgiven at Yom Kippur, and all of us, no matter who we are, will have to go through this at Yom Kippur, and I believe that is when we'll have the right to gather at the Feast of Tabernacles, wherever you gather us, or wherever you set us apart to gather, no matter where we are, for the seven-day assembly, which is a requirement before we can come out from the punishment of Tzaret, you said when you gave Miriam to Saret, Dear Lord, you told Moses and Aaron that if a father uh, spit in the daughter's face, which should not be put out for seven days. Maybe the daughter spit in the father's face, whatever it is, she should be put out for seven days. The The seven days being outside the camp, that's the point I'm trying to make. I, I'm not going to bother to look up the scripture right now on that, but it's in there in Leviticus. Well, it's actually in Exodus. When well, dealing with Miriam, but the thing about it is, is that she revolted and didn't, you know, didn't follow the way of your law and so forth, and the way uh, the guidance of what you were doing in the time of their testing. And dear Lord, we pray that they would understand that when they were set out for seven days, it was because. And we should look at ourselves and look at the obelisk in our nation and the God standing like the Statue of Liberty and the cirrus on the um, mercantile trade exchange. And all over the world, we have these pagan idols standing everywhere. And dear Lord, because we've allowed this, we spit in your face. And dear Lord, we pray that you will forgive us for that. And we know that you will if we will do exactly what you said in Joel 2, 12 to 20. But before we can gather, we must first to be the fisherman that goes out and makes known your words and brings in your people and sanctify them. That's the work we must do, and that's not quick. There's no people are thinking, dear Lord, that at the ascension we're going to go up in a rapture. And that doesn't actually agree with the scriptures. The ascension was very important for a time at this. And it may have something else, and I'll touch on that in another message, how it might relate to this day. But, dear Lord, what I'm trying to point out here is that we must get to Yom Kippur and have our sins atoned, accepted. Because if we have that accepted, then we have the right to gather for a sacred assembly, and we have the right to bring in the priests, the ones that are teaching the words at that time, the ones that have not been cast out by you, Dear Lord, and then at the end of that, after the on the eighth day, is a very interesting day at Simshat Torah, which is the entrance of your words for the year. Every year we must do that, but with the word of the year, and that is the beginning of us building your kingdom, which means, dear Lord, on that day, you set us apart into your kingdom officially and give us your seal. That's what I anticipate that to be. But, dear Lord, we have a long way to go between then Between now and then. And we have much work to do between now and then. And people are going to be shocked that they have work to do. And they're going to be shocked that they're going to be cast out lawless. If they don't understand what Mount Sinai is all about. And what Pentecost is all about. It's all about the law. But we don't understand the law. Because the law that you came to make known is the words of God. And dear Lord, the people of Pentecost... The people at Mount Sinai, those people at Mount Sinai rejected to receive the words into their heart. And that's exactly what you're going to do on that Torah when you seal us up and give us the word. That's the day that you seal our heart and purge the darkness out of us. Dear Lord, you're going to forgive all that at Yom Kippur, but we still must go through the cleansing of the sacred assembly that gets rid of the the... the you said we have, to make, we have to make reconciliation for our sins in Daniel nine twenty four, And that's part of it. And that's what you're talking about. For us to escape the plagues of Tessar, which come after that time, that are going to be poured out in magnitude. In other words, I believe that you're going to pour out a lot of things between now and Yom Kippur and, and so forth after that, because there are people that you're going to punish very harshly. Taking their, you know, their eyes will be dissolved in their eye socket because they came up against your people. They came up against Jerusalem, which is the foundation of peace. And your city, which is your kingdom that you're building with the people that are coming out. And all those who object to your people leaving the nations and coming to your word are going to receive that plague of Zechariah 14:12, and they ought to consider it very carefully. You know, I'm telling you about the, I'm, I'm speaking to people about, right now, about the Fact that the you came, you sent Moses in the winter time, and you tell us dear Lord in matthew twenty four twenty that we should come out before the winter and the Sabbath. don't let our flight be in that time, and Lord, the people should understand dear God, that we're in a time Pentecost is the Sabbath that you're pointing to the time when the power fails falls. And dear Lord, people are after that, dear Lord, if they've had the opportunity, just like it says in the parable of ten virgins, if they've had the opportunity to receive the words and will not do it, then I believe at the power of Pentecost, is that you're going to take that away from them. Because they would not hear when they had the opportunity, when you told them to receive the words of wisdom, they would not receive. They don't understand the way of the manna in the desert. We're going to try to talk about that a little bit tonight, and maybe that'll help a little bit. We compare the things of Egypt and the manna and Mount Sinai. They might get a grasp of this. But right now I'm pointing out that Daniel 7, 11 to 12, where it says that you're going to take away the dominion from them for a season and time. We're already in the midst of that, just like the Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. were already in the midst of it the moment Moses began coming to Israel in the winter. He came and the plague started. I don't believe he was there long at all when these things happened and your plagues have nothing to do with signs of the generations or signs of the, um, I mean, they're not conditional upon the weather. You create the plagues because you said you would. The people don't understand that, Lord, it, they're talking about the blood moons are looking for stars and stuff to be put in alignment. Lord, they don't understand what you're doing and what the sign really means and what you're really talking about. Blood moon being the the inheritance that you pour out at night. And Lord, there be a testimony, but you can make the moon blood just by t- speaking the word into the heavens because the heavens, the sun and the moon and the stars are responsible to the words that you put into the firmament from the beginning. They're in charge of the signs. And you use those words and you use the sun and moon and star to do these things. You can make them anything you want. You cause the sun and the moon to stand still in the days of joshua and people still don't get it we're not dependent on the 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 regular schedule of the stars and sun and so forth for your word to be fulfilled in fact you're going to make it known that this is your glory you control those things and they are blessings to us you said even dear lord you're going to roll the stars up like a scroll people don't understand what that means Dear Lord, they they need to understand these things. We've talked about it many times in the audios. Now, Lord, I'd like to go on and and talk more now about the um, Passover. Dear Lord, at that time, you came as king and you were king at Passover. And from the time of Passover, the day after the Passover, they start counting the Omer. And the Omer is a measurement and it's interesting it's a dry measure because you're asking us Lord to come out of the sea the sea is the world you call it and we're like the waters and uh, dear Lord you're calling us to come to Mount Sinai Mount Sinai was symbolic of the firmament and uh, dear Lord it's it's you know your firmament is is a pyramid shape i've de- I've described it and they can look in the notes for may fifth and sixth and they can see the drawings of it from the scriptures and in the testimony of numbers the book of testimony of numbers it's freely available on the website dear lord they can see the scriptures related to those items that describe it and dear lord i pray that one thing they would understand clearly is that when you brought them out of out of egypt and to mount sinai during that whole process you were testing them Dear Lord, you were showing them your way, and it's interesting that as you did, dear Lord, as you showed them, dear God, that you brought them to Elam, dear Lord, it was 30 days, and 30, 30 is the number, of the preparation for ministry, so you were training them those 30 days about how you provided for them, you brought them out, you, you got rid of the Pharaoh and them in the Red Sea. And you you provided them. You told them to to make the bread. You you told them how to do their house so that when they came out of their house, they were birthing into a nation just like birthing out of the womb. Dear Lord, of a new nation born and coming out. But dear Lord, you were also birthing them out of captivity, out of punishment, out of being a low-class people. And you brought them out. And dear Lord, we'll cover some of these things in the in the notes that go with this audio. We can I have in there the scriptures relating to how the people of Egypt began to to mock the people of Israel when they wanted to get out and so forth. But one of the things that's very interesting about coming out and going to Mount Sinai, we'll talk about, is the bricks. When you brought them out, they were making bricks, and when they when when Moses began the issue of telling the Pharaoh they were to come out, he doubled their quantity of bricks they had to make, and he got more angry, and he he ordered the people to beat those that wouldn't produce the amount of bricks. In other words, the people started getting punished, and, and he also made them get their own straw to make the bricks with. So, Lord, he, what, what he did is he is saying if these people have the time to take. You know, to go out three days. it was like the Pharaohs like the the world system today you know they're they're sending soldiers all over the world and they're they're you know doing all these busy works that are necessary for the one world order to establish their one world kingdom of which then afterwards they're going to kill the people and only keep them out they needed, which was the way the Pharaoh looked at these people he basically looking them. As just brickmakers, pawns to be used for bricks, Henry christinger famously said it's quoted that the militaries of the world are nothing but pawns to him to do what they desire, and you can tell around the world they don't care about the citizens either because it's really clear everybody's seeing that the United States put in place isis it's really not the united states it's the secret the, the secret army, the secret crown trust operation out of Washington, D.C. that controls all the militaries of the world and unites them all and coordinates it all, even the training of the terrorists and so forth, even the building of the weapons and even taking technology and giving it to nations that don't have technology so they can do the evil things like North Korea. Does anyone really believe they have the money to develop the technology or the skills to do the things that they're claiming they're doing without that stuff coming from someplace else? When I was working with these people, that's what they do. They put the technology where they want to manipulate the world because they're all united together, just like the Lord tells us. In Zechariah fourteen one and 2, and Matthew 24, 21 to 22, and Mark 13, 19 to 20. They're all united. And he tells us in there, let our flight not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. And the winter is already started, but the people wouldn't hear the word, so they're going to receive of this. we We're responsible. That's why we're going to have to have this sacred assembly to pay the price. That's a cleansing process of Tesaret so that we can be freed from that because that is a punishment that comes from God for rebelliousness of sin. And we are all rebellious by living in a nation, participating in all this. And most of us work every day destroying others. We may not know it if we work for the FDA, if we work for the DHS, if we work for the IRS. All these agencies are working to support the evil words of the evil leadership of the world that God has is, is declared he's going to destroy. And he's the king. And we ought to be aware that God is going to do it the way the scriptures is. And if you notice, the people get ready to go to war. In the wintertime, they're preparing their weapons and everything else. In the springtime, the armies go and get positioned. And in the summertime, they battle. We ought to be, we're going to be seeing the same thing and we can look around the world now and, you know, nobody's saying anything, but in the wintertime, they started moving troops to Germany and those troops and their weapons and stuff were put on uh, row ships and sent all the way down. They brought them down to, um, I can't remember what the country was, but they brought them down to the Mediterranean and, and dropped them in Damascus and then down to Jordan <clears throat> And so now they have the tanks and everything on these weapons systems surrounding Syria, for example. And they also put them, put them uh, on the eastern side of Syria as well. So they're positioning their armies. They've got all these things going on in, in Korea, and they're starting this. And at the same time, they're making America look very bad, and it's all the nations, and they're acting like they don't get along, and they're ready to go to war and so forth. But they're really just following the script, of the Pharaoh. And of Egypt. And so forth. Because what's happening is. And of the Bible. Remember Jesus said this is going to be like no time. All the times in the past. So you can take all the events of the past. And you can merge them together. And you'll get an idea of what the Lord is doing right now. He's allowing Satan to do these works. Remember that he said he's going to come with his fiery jealousy. His fiery jealousy. Fire means our reaction to the words. Even the Lord is going to do, the fire, is the words of the dragon's mouth. What comes out of the dragon's mouth? Fire. So he's going to make those words of the world system to be fire to the people. In other words, they're going to burn them. They're not going to be what they think they are, that they're really good and they have jobs and they're working for good jobs and so forth. But they're going to burn them because he's going to come in his fiery jealousy, which is in Zephaniah 3.8.9. And he's going to separate the people into his kingdoms. They're going to be, you know, If he's going to separate them, it means he's got to be a king higher than them, which he is. Because beginning Nisan 1, he was king. He came from the time of spring. He became king. And, and, and Nisan 1, the beginning, it starts the beginning of his, his reign. And he, became, he started coming to, to Israel. Well, this year, that's the time. And he's telling us this. If we will listen to the prophetic word, we shall be able to hear it. But what is going to happen, he's going to do it in the same manner. The Feast of Tabernacles is going to be a celebration. And notice it's a Feast of Tents, a Feast of Huts, that they lived in the wilderness. But those huts are symbolic of the bringing the house to be like the firmament. The firmament has the words of God in it. And he said we're to write his words on our doorposts and keep them in our houses, in our our property. But the words in the doorposts of the house... He's birthing a nation, a kingdom of God. It'll be a nation, but really it's a kingdom of God is what he's developing right now. He is the king. And we got to recognize him as king, just like it says in Daniel 9.24. That's the work of Daniel's 70th week, which started with Nisan 1. We know it's Nisan 1 because he said he would rise with the, um, like the, Son of righteousness, and the sun, as you it's like the spring rising. That's what starts with the spring, spring season. And remember that right before the Nissan one, Moses prepared the tabernacle that whole week before. So, beginning with the spring, he was preparing things to get ready for the king to come. So we have that comparison, and so we have the idea. If you're following me, and I pray I'm not to be too rambling for you. But you should have the idea that we're now in the seven-year reign of Christ, and in the first three and a half years is the time when the 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 elect are separated apart from the world. They're purified. That means they're made holy by receiving His words that wash them clean. Ephesians 5:25 to 27, John 15:3, and then they are made white by increasing in knowledge. In other words, they're made white because He's going to give them the words of God. And he's going to burn them in our hearts beginning, I believe, on Simchat Torah, the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, that day after the Feast of Tabernacles, in that morning. He's going to rise as the Son of Righteousness in that morning. So we should have it at that time. That's when we should get the great sword sealed in us and have eternal life. But you can know you're going to have that if you will turn now and prepare yourself because the power is going to fall at Pentecost. It did with the disciples but we are that special generation where the rest is coming. We call it rest, the Sabbath. Don't wait until that time because remember in the, the people of the ten virgins? They couldn't give it, their light to the others who had rejected the word. They couldn't do it. and They had to go pay the price of going out into the punishments of the plagues. And then after that, they receive those plagues and learn, because God's going to punish them like he did the people... Out in the wilderness. Slightly different. But he's on a punishment. He says in Revelation 18. One, eighteen one to four. It's going to be a time of about a half an hour. Half an hour is 21 months. The first 21 months of the day of the Lord. And we're in that time right now. Part of that clock I believe is running. So we have this time. From Passover. When the Lord. When he died. for our, uh, To give us the words. And then we have the. The rite of passage. This is that time of passage. It's the time when there was 30 days, after 30 days at Letham, the Lord, the people grumbled and complained. And what interesting complaint that they gave, let me read it to you here. It's kind of interesting because what they were complaining about was they, they said this. The children of Israel said to them, well, here's, let me read verses uh, um, 16, 1 to uh, four. It says uh, one to three. It says, And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the fifteenth day, that means the thirtieth day of the second month, that's thirty days into their journey, after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread for the full, for you have brought us out of this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. See, they ran out of the food that they would prepared, the matzah they call it, or the unleavened bread and whatever else they would brought along. They ran out of all that. And so they complaining to Moses. And I, I listened to a, a rabbi the other day. It was very interesting. Talking about this subject. And he says in there that these people, if you think about it, they were under the Pharaoh. And the interesting thing that they're saying right here is that they ate their bread to the full in Egypt. In other words, the Pharaoh was really smart. He got angry when they said they wanted to be free to go travel three days and worship their God in the wilderness. And God knew that would tempt him, but what did he do? Because the Pharaoh's mind is these people are nothing but pawns, and the Lord wanted to show them this. They were nothing, nothing like pawns. They're nothing but pawns. So he doubled their work so they would have no time to squabble. They wouldn't have time to gather together and complain. So he put this work upon them, and the people got mad, and they sent emissaries to the pharaoh to complain to him telling them that you know you've sinned against our God by doing this work and remember that when when they didn't if they couldn't make their quota that those people the pharaoh ordered them to be beaten I'm going to tell you you're about to see something like that happened in America in regard to the economy but consider what the pharaoh did really wisely he gave them all the bread they wanted to their full to their full that's really interesting. The bread today, we consider it in many ways in the world money. And the bread they give you to your full, they took us off the gold currency. And they put us on what is called a fiat currency. And they lie to everybody. They say that they're collecting taxes and the taxes are going to pay all these things, but that's not true. They actually issue platforms and most generally all the taxes that go out are not going like the I the federal federal taxes and so forth, aren't going to, to the jobs that they say are going. They issued more currency to that. They keep issuing and issuing. They lie to everybody about the amount of currency they had. They issue it from from London, the dollar numbers and so forth, but it, it ends up in controlled out of Edinburgh, Scotland, underground. And they keep track of all this. And they, you know, like you'll have the Bank of England, you'll have, um, let's say... Merrill Lynch and so forth. But if you notice, they have a Merrill Lynch in in Monte Carlo. It has nothing to do with the other ones. And then you have another one in London. And if you follow what they're doing there, those are separate banks, same name. And so they control the profits. They can move the profits around so the profits don't go into the banks. So they cheat on how they're doing this and nobody can follow how they issue the currency, but they're issuing fiat currency they just every time you go in a loan they issue you new currency it's not from the loans of the bank they got away with all that they issue it to your full whatever you desire they're giving you and they're putting everybody in debt see what they're doing is they want us to build all these things and they want us to be not paying attention to the world they don't want us to gather they're making it difficult they don't even want people to have prayer meetings in their home they don't want you to do any of these things where you might gather together and learn the truth they're trying to get you occupied. They give you all these concerts. They give you football games. They give you everything in sports. And they keep giving you money and money and money and raising money and money and money, increasing you know, the, the, the payment for various things with this currency that's worthless, that they can bankrupt in a minute. And everything in the government, they've stolen the currency. The Federal Reserve back in the 1920s began shipping the gold off to their merchants out of our Fort Knox and other places people say it's not there they stole it all they've gathered it they've been collectors of gold just like the lord said he'd be in ecclesiastes 226 but it's not that much different than what the Pharaoh was doing the pharaoh was giving him the food because he wanted the energy to do his work his work was he wanted to build these buildings and notice he builds everything with bricks they had started off building the pyramids with these gigantic stones in a wise way but they found a way to use all these slaves that kept multiplying. And he had lots of slaves. But he didn't want to give them any time to gather, and he has to control them. What the Pharaoh was saying, I'm going to control this. We've already put in the fact that we killed the first bo- or their, their their, children. If they have more than one, they controlled and killed them off. And they had the, you know, that was a big issue in Egypt, and we have that today. They're trying to destroy the people. But they're doing the same thing with the people. If you understand what the Pharaoh was doing, that bread was poison to the people. It was energy to do the work that he wanted them to do, but it kept them occupied to build the one world, his, his ideal one world system that he was building. Conquering the world and using these slaves to, to provide everything that he wanted and luxuries and equipment and all these things that he was doing. And in one world order, the Queen Elizabeth II and Baron Rothschild who controls the currency of all over the world, the Crown Trust that owns all the nations, owns the seas, controls all the nations. Because they control all the banks and they also finance all the militaries. That's what they got their start in, selling mercenary soldiers. Now they control all the armies of the world and all the treasuries of all the nations. Even the Vatican they control. And they control who's president. And they control the law system so the people can't understand the law. And they don't want people to gather together and stir these things up because, and that's why they're going to try to control the Internet very quickly here. They don't want people to see what they're about to do because they're about to go to war. But before they go to war, they're going to stir up lots of trouble so they can justify going to war. But they've already put their machines in place. They've already done just like the time of the kings. Remember, the Lord is coming as king. He's going to do it in biblical. In the biblical terms, they always went to war in the spring and summer and you see all the armies being dispersed around the world getting ready and you're going to see with the summer this is going to come and you're going to see that it's probably right after pentecost because at pentecost the power fell upon those that heard it and the spirit went but if you rejected the words and the people of today the church is more likely to reject the message just like the the rabbis and the of egypt and the and the, the synagogues of i mean excuse me of israel at the time of the apostles and when they reject it, the devil is going to pour out seven times greater. Please understand, at this time, the Lord is coming seven times greater than before. So the power that he lets out is nothing like it was at the time of um, the time. He came with the full measure of the words at that time. But it's the stirring is what I'm talking about. The stirring up, the compelling event is pouring out of God seven times greater than before. And the words are going to pour out the knowledge seven times faster. And the thing about it is, is the devil, if they reject it, is going to come upon these people seven times harder because he has authority to do that. So they're going to see a summer of terribleness because the Lord said it would be in Matthew 24, 21 to 22, and Mark 13, 19 to 20, a time they've never seen before. And if he doesn't intervene for them, it will be too late. But it, what's going to happen is, just like it was in the days of Egypt, The Lord's going to set his people apart and those plagues and the troubles after the third one came upon all the other people, the people of Egypt. It's going to be the people of Babylon. The whole world is called Babylon at this time. It's the kings of Babylon, the fifth king, fifth beast kingdom. The city of Babylon is controlled by the the Crown trust out of London. It's run by the queen and and also Rothschild. It's the power of the words of the flood of the dragon that's coming out. But God's words are greater than them. In Revelation seventeen sixteen, you see that, or 15, uh, Revelation twelve 15, you'll see that they have to, 16, I think it's Revelation twelve sixteen. have to leave them alone. And in verse 17, he's able to attack those that just have the Ten Commandments and know about the testimony of Jesus dying on the cross. That's not enough for this day. You've got to hear the words because this is what he was doing. And when he came out of the, Egypt, he was showing them the way of his words. Remember, he took the tree and, Uh, 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 pushed it into the water and it purified, made the water sweet. He was doing the way of the words and showing the people his power, showing them things that they could do. These people did this. He's trying to teach them. He was trying to mature them. And that's what 30 days is for, is the growth of ministry. And then after that, he gave them the manna. And here's the wording that the Lord gave for the pouring out of the manna. He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain down bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I, may, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And you have to understand that we are going to be judged by his words at this time. And he says his words are truth. And his words, John 12:48 tells us we're going to be judged by his words in matthew seven twenty one to twenty three he tells the people that some were prophets, some were cast out demons, some were healers, and so forth. He tells them that you're lawless, depart from me, lawless. what law, what law is he trying to show? He says in john seventeen seventeen that he requires the people of this day to be set apart by the words of God that are truth. And he tells us in Psalms one hundred nineteen, one hundred forty two, his truth, God's truth is law. That means God's words is law. Because he says in Psalms one nineteen, one sixty that the entirety of his word is truth. God's words are truth. So that's what Jesus said and confirmed in John seventeen seventeen. And he tells us in Psalms one nineteen one thirty that the entrance of his words gives light. In other words, it sets you apart into the morning of the day of the Lord that he says he's going to be, these people are going to walk like stall-fed calves. See, the people in Egypt, when they came out of Egypt and they were doing the bread, that bread was killing them. Do you notice what it said there? They said, oh, if we would have just died in Egypt when we were next to the pots of meat and, and we, you know, had the bread to our full. They could smell the meat, the aroma of the meat, and they could smell that aroma of the bread, and they ate that bread to this fool because the Pharaoh knew what captures the heart. The Queen of England, one time I've heard a story about her when I was working with these people of the system, this, the highest part of the system. They said that the, the queen likes to say that they can't, the people can't resist the candy, the currency, the, the things it gets, the, the enjoyment of the... the entertainment like the pagan olympic ceremonies and all that that they do they and the dances and the beats of these and the nudity of the girls and the models and the rest of it that they're financing the movies and all that they're financing that's the candy the luxuries the temptations of the devil all that's being held to get the people away from what they should be thinking of right now because the lord is king and he's coming to, to birth his nation his kingdom birth his kingdom he birthed his nation back then but he's coming now to birth a kingdom. There'll be several nations in his kingdom. But he's right now they're all could come out and be a part of his kingdom first, and then he'll put them where he wants them. He'll move them. He said he'd set them apart at the manifestation of the separation judgment. But before we can come to the manifestation of the separation judgment, we have to be set apart into his words. We have to be sanctified and made holy. We cannot do that if we will not receive the words from Him because He said in Proverbs 1:23 that if we will turn and repent, what He will do? He says that He will pour out His Spirit upon us and cause us to know His words. If we have His words in us, we have the full measure of God in us. And that's what we want to have because he, those words will work in you to clean you. That's what's going to purify us and make us so that we are white, we get to the knowledge. And he'll, He said in Jeremiah 31:33 that he's going to purify our body and our hearts. He's going to write his words on our heart. And when he purifies our body, he cleanses our body, he's cleansing every sickness. If you're crippled right now, if, if you have Alzheimer's, if you've got diseases, there's cancer and the rest of it, you need to study this message and you need to understand the timing of God and when he's going to heal you. And God will never, if you plead to him to get a work that says, Lord, I will serve you until that time, he'll keep you. If you're zealous for that, if it's his purpose to use you for the kingdom, he'll bring you through this, like he says in John 5, 24. If you will hear my voice, which is the words of God that he speaks, and if you believe in the promise of God the Father, he says that he will you'll have eternal life and you'll pass through these judgments. And when you pass through these judgments, you're going to come to that day of the sealing of his word when he's going to cleanse you. and He's going to cleanse your body. Jeremiah 31:33 and your heart. He's going to write his words on your heart. He's going to make it white. He's going to get rid of all the thoughts of darkness, all the, the desires of the luxuries of the world. You're going to get rid of that so you can focus because we have a work to do. After we get sealed like that, we must do the work. Isaiah 11:9 and Habakkuk 2:14 of making known the knowledge of the glory of the Lord on to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And we are of the waters, if we're set apart by his words. Because the waters like, were of the beginning. We are of the beginning. Remember what he says in Isaiah one twenty six. He's going to establish judges as it was from the beginning. In the beginning, they were righteous. Judges were righteous. They had the words of God. He started them off that way. Look at Moses, Joshua, and Othniel. That's what we need to remember. We need to understand that the Lord wants us to be cleansed. The Lord wants to do this for us, and he's given the manna as the bread. Now, consider that this manna did something special. There's a lot of things special, and I'm not going to, in the writing, the the notes that I have with this. You're going to see that in there, the Lord, when he gave him the manna, he told him to go, you know, collect a quota every day. On the sixth day, they would collect double the amount, but they'd have a day of rest. And remember, they didn't have a day of rest in Egypt. They were slaves seven days a week, and they had doubled their work, so they had no time at all. And every, every day, every day, every day, they were doing that. And if they didn't get the quota they need, they were beaten. And you can imagine that if they'd beaten each other, I mean, if they were getting beaten and they didn't have their quota, that they might have went and tried to steal the quota from others who did have it. You can imagine it was breaking down the society very quickly. And we're going to see that this summer. The Lord says this. You know, people are going to cry out, oh, the Lord is here, the Lord is there, come there. Why are they doing that? Because they're in trouble. You know, they're going to get the plagues, and they don't understand they're going to get the plagues upon them. That's part of that. But right now, the people are going to be like this because he tells you in Ezekiel 38, they're going to turn on each other. And they're going to go house to house, in this, and your enemies are going to be in your house. Why is that? Because the world economy, I've told you, I've sat in meetings with the people of this dark side, at the top side of this dark side, and they said to me that they're going to bankrupt the nation. They're going to take away its sovereignty. But if you understand what bankrupt the nation means, and if you hear the rumblings in Congress, what they've really set up, they've set up the scenario where by September, they've got to come up with a whole new economy. And they're talking about doing things like reducing the, the Social Security benefits and reducing the other kind of benefits, some by 50%, and they're talking about Social Security by 20%. Can you imagine what it does when these people are li- living paycheck to paycheck and they got loans and credits, and all of a sudden they have 20% that they got to pay that they don't have to pay the bills. And then they have 50% that they don't have. Because they got rid of the abilities, they can't even be, you know, like hospitalization and college tuitions and the rest of it. They can't go back to school. But you have to remember something. These people that are doing this and those people that are going to carry out these things, like the FBI, the the policemen, the, the bankers, and, you know, the creditors and these kind of things, all these people that do it. And remember that most of the debt that the banks, when you take a loan from the bank, they don't keep that debt. They sell your debt on to a foreigner. That's a plan of the Crown Trust, to put it in people that have no loyalty to America so they can have the excuse of put those people in prison in debtor's camps. That's what they're going to do. They're going to crash this economy and do this kind of thing. You're going to see this happen because it's a promise that they made. And they said this is a religious war because they're going to bring out forth their no-eyed covenant. That they've, stated, they've already made it a law that you don't know about, that this is the law of the land. They said this is the law that the nation was founded on back from the beginning. The no-eyed law. <laughs> it's, it's a, no-eyed morality laws. They're man-made. They're not of God. No, the nation wasn't built on that. Not really. People don't build on that. The Bible it was built upon it. was a teaching document in the schools until they got rid of it in the 18, early middle 18... I think it was by 1830 or 1840 they got rid of the Bible as a teaching document. Biggest crime they did in the world for education. But anyway, the point of it I'm trying to make on this is that if you read Luke 16, 1 to 13, you see a very interesting comparison. It says that the stewards realize that they're going to have a time where they're going to lose their job. See, God is coming as king. He tells you in Daniel 7, Um, 11 to 12, he's going to destroy the fifth beast kingdom. In Revelation 18, 1 to 3, he tells you that Babylon is done. It's finished. It's already done from the moment the day of the Lord was opened in 2003. It was a certain event to occur. And now we're in the time where it's occurring. The destruction is occurring. This is what he's bringing them to. He's bringing them out to war so he can destroy them. And when we read Ezekiel 38, he pours down the hailstones and the rest of it, he's going to destroy them. He's going to destroy the city of Babylon, Revelation 18, the fifth beast kingdom at this time. And in Isaiah um, 10 to 12, you see the same thing. Or I think it's uh, uh, six to, uh, Isaiah 21, 6 to 12. You see in there that he's saying the same thing. Babylon has fallen. I think it's 5 to 12 or 6 to 12. He's telling you Babylon has fallen, and he's calling the people to come out, return to him, return to him, because the morning and the night is coming, and that is already here now. The morning has risen, but it hasn't risen on his people yet. It's rising on those that see the crack of the light coming because they're seeking the light and they're seeing the light and they're coming to the light and by Yom Kippur and then the Feast of Tabernacles and Simshat Torah, the light will come upon them. But it's like the sun is coming up and the night is being departed and separated from them in this time. We're in that time of the morning where the light is coming. You see the Pharaoh, he was, the, he was beginning in the night, he began having troubles with the wheels coming off his chariots and the power coming off of that and so on. Well, that's what's been happening with the world because the more they come out to go, to go to war, the more destruction is going to come upon them. And they've been doing that for since, um, the last three and a half years until now. During that time of the night, the last part of the night of the day of the Lord. And now the morning's risen of the day of the Lord. The, and we're in the first three and a half years of the morning. It started with in the spring or Nisan 1. And what's happening here at this time is interesting because what you're seeing at this time is that these people that are stewards at this time, whether you're you're a Walmart clerk or a Walmart store manager or a CVS pharmacy or a nurse that's giving these vaccines and the rest of it, your stewardship's been lost. You're doing these works, but you're going to be destroyed. And you bankers that are controlling the currencies and, and have sold off these notes to the foreigners to set up the situation with the one world order so that they can do this to the people of the nations. You're guilty before God. You're guilty of that sin. And you've got to understand that your stewardship's going to be lost, so you need to read Luke sixteen one to 13. You'll notice something. That steward comes and he says, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose my job. And therefore, I'm, he takes and reduces the the one job uh, 50%, the oil 50% of um, can't remember which one's which but you can read Luke 16 one to 13 it's in my notes that are coming out with this and then it says also in there that another one had the oil or whatever it was and he um, he owed um, one hundred and he said quick and take your note uh, take your uh, uh, paper and write 80. But see, that's exactly what the world system's going to do. They're even talking about this. You're hearing the rumors of this now in Congress and Senate, what they're going to have to do to solve this problem because you're, I, I'm telling you, they're going to create all kinds of troubles and wars and uh, disasters so that they're going to do this And the world system, the United Nations that is organized underneath. It's actually reporting to Washington and, and London. But uh, they're working for Washington, D.C., it's all being coordinated there. That's a sovereign city belonging to the Crown Trust, not, not the Americans. And that city is run by the dark side, the secret people. And they, are, they run the DHS. They run the U.S. militaries. They run all the militaries of the world. They coordinate all this. They run the agencies. And all the agencies are doing evil. You know, it's no secret DHS has been busing people up from Nicaragua that were shipped over to Nicaragua from the Middle East and from Africa, and brought up here for immigration things to destroy the country. They're doing this. They did it in the old days of England when they would, you know, marry, they would take their nobles and marry them in there and and impregnate the woman and so forth so they'd have destruction in the seed. You know, when the devil does that, he's destroying the seed. He knows that he's causing problems in the long-term planning of this. It's not of God. It's of evil planning. And that's the crown trust. That's what they do. They're building their crown, not God's crown. Their crown is not a crown of life. It's a crown of destruction. It's like the bread the Pharaoh gave him. He was giving them all they wanted. But all he cared about was that they did the work. And if they didn't get the work, he didn't care if they beat him and killed him. He had plenty of slaves. He had plenty of pawns. And so he pushed them as hard as he could, even further. But when they come out to Sinai, God does the opposite. Now he's given them manna. And then when they ate this manna, then the 40 years, it says that they never, their shoes and stuff never wore out on them. their clothing didn't wear out. They didn't have sores on their feet from walking in the wilderness and the desert and the rest of it. And you notice there's something else to show you this miracle. It tells you in the scriptures, and I pointed out in the writing, that when they brought the omer, when they go out to gather, it, some would gather more. That's a tendency. They would gather more than what they're supposed to. And they would some would gather less because ran out of time or whatever it was they had to do, they didn't get enough. And when they brought it back, the interesting thing was they were supposed to have one omer, which is one-tenth of an appa. They were supposed to have one omer per person. And the interesting thing about it was when they poured it out, there was one omer. In other words, it didn't matter if they collected more than an omer they still, when they poured it out, it was one Omer. If they had less and they poured it out, it was one Omer. It multiplied. See, God provided for them what they needed. And so we see this in the scriptures that God is providing these people all they need, and he's trying to show them the way of him, and he's testing them with this. And the, the, the Omer, I mean, the bread that he gave him, the manna from heaven, didn't look like the bread that they'd had. It was special. Tasted like honey. Honey is the way of the seven spirits. And you notice they were walking these 50 days. You notice the 50th day they came there, but it was seven weeks. And so the seven weeks is interesting because what happens in that is that they're, they're celebrating these times and what God is showing them is the way of the seven spirits in what they were doing because they collected double on the sixth day. See, and it's pointing to this time because the double on the sixth day that prepares them for the for the millennium is we have to complete, the sixth spirit is the knowledge of the work of the kingdom of God that we've been given dominion over. And so we're supposed to get that at this time, and that's what he's trying to show us, to prepare for the, the millennial kingdom to come. We have a work to do to prepare for them, and we're to do that at this time. And interesting that God had him... The double bricks, and when they come to Mount Sinai, there's no bricks. You don't have to make bricks, because God has the firmament already made. The firmament is our hut, our tent. He showed them to live in the huts. They didn't have to build bricks, make bricks over there. When God brought them out, He brought them out as a king, who everything He did for them was for them. It wasn't like in Egypt and their ability to the bread and stuff to they're helping kill their own people because surely they were making the bread and they were making them to make the bread even more. They're doubling the work even the bread makers because it required more. But they ate to their full, and the people said, oh, that we died in Egypt. What they're saying is it was killing us in Egypt. What they were doing with the bread is they were killing us. You look around the world today, they've taken away all of the herbal medicines, all of the good stuff they've taken away from us, the milk that is good for us, they've taken away, and they they just stir this up, and they create all these things. They're putting fetus cells and putting mercury in food. They've destroyed the food. The FDA was put together. I sat in a meeting and heard this testimony. And a guy that reported to the president was with me, and he did this. And the guy from the science side of the FBI, the secret dark side, had, they worked with the brain. He had the, the right to know and the, the need to know. And he was warning us, don't eat the food that's not organic because it's killing us. He said the FDA was formed in 1948 for the purpose of destroying us. And that's what it's doing. And all the people working for the FDA, you need to understand it. God, you need to read Luke 16, 1 to 13 because your world system government is destroyed. God has declared it in Revelation 18, 1 to 3 and in Isaiah 21. And he said in, in um, Revelation 20, he's going to drive them far away. What's he going to do? He's going to drive them out to be, be put into punishment. But you need to understand in John 9, 4, 5, the Lord warns that no one will work. So if you think you have a job, and you look at the steward in Luke 16, 1 to 13, and he's more shrewd than the people of the church. When you look at this, he's going to tell you in there that he's going to help the people of the kingdom because at least if he does that, then God will allow him to stay with them, have a place to live. Even though he takes away their, their work and he doesn't have any work, he, they will let them stay in their house. If they stay in their house, they're going to hear the word of God and grow and become of the kingdom, just like the people of Egypt were brought into his people. That's what he's doing. He's setting up the people right now, his fishermen. This time of the passage was to prepare the people to receive the word at, at Mount Sinai, the message of the ford. But the people of Egypt, the people of Israel that came out of Egypt, rejected what God gave them on the 50th day. When he brought them there to that time, and then when he came down upon them to to make known the word, he wanted to write the words in their heart. He was speaking the words to them. Just like today, he's been for th- 14 years he's been speaking the prophetic word. Tell him, get the words of wisdom you do not know. Receive the knowledge of truth. And they did not have any clue nor seek it out in the scriptures or with God. Because he said, if you would turn to him, he would pour out his spirit upon you, the spirit of truth, and cause you to know his words. spirit of truth can't enter those who are of the world. And they will not agree that his words set them apart, which is exactly what, from the world, which is exactly what he said is a requirement in John 17:17. 17, 17. Paul tells you in 2 Corinthians 12, 1-4 that he heard the words that are not lawful for man of the world to speak. See, if we're set apart as sons of God, we can speak those words. You have the right to speak it as a Son of God, John 10, 34-37. We need to understand this. See, the, the purpose of the manna, the manna was bearing witness. It was doing the way the words. It was living bread. That bread was doing good for them. It was healing them. It was, you know, he said it would heal them. It would, it kept them in all that time, their strength and so forth. But they wanted what they wanted. They wanted what they were used to in the world. They didn't want to set apart and trust God. And you notice if they, if they did take some of the manna that they had and try to keep it till the next day, it turned into worms. It was uneatable. And if they tried to collect on the Sabbath day, they were in big trouble. There's no man out there because they don't get the knowledge of the way of the words of God and what God was trying to do to teach them during that time. Seven times, seven weeks. Seven weeks is each week is pointing to the way of the seventh spirit and seven times is growing in the knowledge of the words so that they can be set apart in a jubilee, all their sins forgiven them and receive the word in them. We have to do that work between now and Pentecost and we're pretty much out of it. But remember that in King Hezekiah's day, they delayed it 30 days. And in the days of Noah, uh, Jonah, the Lord said the warning of Jonah to the people of Nineveh was 40 days. So maybe we have a little bit of time that we can set up seven weeks to study and learn. But I think for those who had the words, the Pentecost is coming, and you should be able to receive the word of God at that time to go forth and speak it in power, but not for your glory, not for your vengeance, but for the glory of the kingdom of God, for his purposes in this time. And remember that he's bringing these people forth to test them just like he did the man at that time. The word that we're getting right now, this message that we're giving, the things that he's passing out right now is to test us. Will we hear him? Will we believe? Will we come forth and set ourselves apart? Will we accomplish overcoming this beast kingdom? He tells us we will if we will follow him. After the... Pentecost, I mean, after Feast of Tabernacles, these people, I think before Feast of Tabernacles, have, because God's going to end the war before the, before the new, before the. for I believe before the time of the, uh, at least by Rosh Hashanah, he's going to end the war. Because at, during that time, the people are set apart and then the atonement is made. But there won't be any atonement for those, then they're going to know, like it says in Revelation 6, um, 15 to, or 12 to 17, they're going to know that punishment is coming to them. All the people of the world, whether they're a slave or a king or what, there's a time when they know this, and that's what they're going to know at that time. They know their sins are not going to be covered at the atonement, at Yom Kippur, because of what they've done. But they need to humble themselves and receive the punishment willingly and not curse God, because if they curse God, it says he's going to pour out that punishment even harder on them. It's the way of the devil, seven times greater. You think the Lord is not gonna the devil's not gonna be allowed to punish you seven times more? Well God's gonna punish you seven times more if you curse his name or you complain and grumble in that time. Don't be like that. Remember when the people complained and grumbled in the wilderness, they died in the wilderness. You don't wanna die in that wilderness. You wanna be healed after the appointed twenty one the time of about a half an hour. You want to be healed after that and brought out and have an opportunity to glorify God and get into the kingdom before it's too late. You want to do this. Please remember that there'll be seven seasons left after the 21 months. That's enough time to be set apart into the kingdom of God and be put into the rapture if you will honor God at that time if you do go into the punishment. But if you curse God and so forth, it's going to be very difficult to come forth. Maybe God will do that punishment to cause you to finally wake up. I don't know. But hopefully you will and you'll turn if you do go into that punishment. Well, I'm going to stop tonight. I just wanted to get you a little bit of knowledge about these things of the the relationships. And we've got to look at this much more closely, the relationships between Egypt and now. There's a lot more to talk about. Because it's very similar, God tells us from Jeremiah 16, 16 to 18, that, What's going to happen now? He's sending out his fishermen. 14 to 18, he's talking about the days of of, um, Egypt. They won't even talk about it anymore. They're going to talk about this time right now we're in. Because we are in the same kind of thing, same God doesn't change his ways. It's going to be similar, different but similar, just like the Pentecost was different. But we're going to be very similar. I think a great sword is going to come. I don't know if we're going to get it at that time, at Pentecost or not, but the Lord said a great sword will come. That's the seal of the word, spirit of the word of God coming upon them. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us and help us to understand these things, Lord, and help us to get deeper into this, Lord, that we'd understand what you're doing at this time. Lord, I pray that people realize that you are now king and we are responsible to do what it says in Daniel uh, Daniel nine twenty four. And dear Lord, let them understand that in the midst of the morning, you'll be taking up those whom you call into your kingdom, dear Lord, at the rapture. Because you said you'd take away the sacrifice and offerings. Lord, that can only come when you take up your people. And Lord, that means we have basically 42 months and a little bit less than that now to get ready. And Lord, Lord, there's so much to do before we're ready for a rapture. And Lord, your word is moving. You've given them, dear Lord, from the time 14 years ago you made open the word and offered them the crown. But now, dear Lord, you're compelling them to receive your bow which they can speak forth your words for their mouth is like a bow and the, you know, the arrow that Elisha used shot an arrow what to do to mark the word to mark the times and dear Lord also if they will do that and use the words you have said in John 5:24, that they will hear your voice and believe in the promises they will have everlasting life which is the crown of life and dear Lord they'll pass through these judgments because you're going to have them finish the work you've given them to do Lord, well, we pray that this time the people will not reject receiving the words and desiring to have you write the words in their heart instead of from man. Dear Lord, we're to gather together and stir up love and good works in this time. Because, dear Lord, you're going to give everybody the, the manna. And, dear Lord, when you showed the people the manna, it was enough for one person, dear Lord. Because, dear Lord, what you said is that in Egypt they ate to their full. They ate massive volumes of bread have energy to put it out but lord you only need what is necessary that you give them dear lord you're going to give it to them you've told them what is enough that they're going to get the work that you get them to do and that that work when you give them that work to do dear lord because when they eat the bread of instruction from you it stirs up the instruction inside them the spirit stirs up the instruction and and they can go forth and again to seek you for understanding and for your counsel on how to do the works that you're showing them to do Stir up love and good works at this time. Lord, they said, you said, dear God, we do not love you if we will not hear your words and keep them. And, Lord, we pray that the people will at this time because they think they love you, but they're not hearing your words. Many are not. And, Lord, we pray they will at this time. And, dear Lord, many people have mocked the idea that food has any meaning. They mocked their Lord that the table is alive, but yet the instruction was alive in that, in that light reflected off that table into that bread and, dear Lord, that bread had the instruction that you have for your people. And, Lord, that's what you're doing at that time of the manna. Every day you gave them the, the learning lesson for that day, dear Lord, and it multiplied and multiplied. And, Lord, I pray that they will grow in knowledge again now, dear Lord, that they'll begin to believe and understand, dear Lord, that your word is true. And, Lord, you're not going to give them great signs because you said you wouldn't because, as the Lord, you told them the only sign they're going to get is the message of the prophet Jonah. And, dear Lord, you're that prophet. Dear Lord, you said the words. You opened up. You gave the blood on the cross, dear Lord. And, and dear Lord, that blood paid the price to opened the temple veil. So we can come into the Holy of Holies before God and receive the knowledge of His words directly from Him. Lord, we praise you. Dear Lord, we know that you'll pass that out to us, dear Lord, because you have the authority. And you take, dear Lord, the prayers of the saints before Him. But, Lord, they won't be saints if they're not set apart dear Lord, we praise you because dear Lord, during that 21 months, we're to give you glory. That's why the prayer of the saints, dear Lord, you're going to watch as we give glory to the kingdom at that time. Because you're going to fill us with instruction every day. Dear Lord, helping the people understand these times. We silence from heaven, but the works that we're asking for, you're going to allow to be done. Dear Lord, uh, because the works are already there. It's like a rolled up scroll. They're done. They're prepared beforehand. And dear Lord, we pray that the people understand all these things. Lord, help them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.